0: Welcome to Central Valley Volley Talk, a podcast for all volley in the valley with your hosts, Kelsey Montagna and Kieran Robley, serving it up for you.
1: And welcome back to Central Valley Volley Talk with your hosts, Kelsey Montania And Kieran Robley. We're uh, excited about this upcoming
2: week. There's a lot going on in... Also, excited to talk about the recaps with college this yeah, week. Yeah, a lot yeah. of action going on. Yeah. I did want to start off with uh, Fresno Pacific. They're off to one of their best starts um, in many, many years. They're five and four. Yeah. They traveled to Hawaii, uh, finished up two and one. They took uh, victories over Hawaii Hilo in Hawaii Pacific, uh, dropped to Chaminade. But wow, it's great to see them doing so well and off to a great start. They're going to be home on uh this week against they have one home match against academy of the arts so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah to congrats to coach mcneil and those ladies working hard
2: yeah it's good to see you. i look forward to seeing uh, their path especially now Pac west has started yeah. for them uh you you see merced had a really good week they went 2-0 and at home against antelope valley and la sierra uh, this week they're going to be at home. The Arizona universities are traveling to them: Benedictine of uh, Mesa Park and Embry Riddle. So, yep. nice little three-three uh, match home sweep going. Uh, the big Central Valley matchups went down in Bakersfield. They did, and Sac State was there, and UOP. Um, Bakersfield fell short; they they weren't able to to get a win. Um, and Fresno State ended up 2-1. and one. Mm. Uh, they, uh, they beat uh, Sac State, and they beat uh, Bakersfield. So yeah. the big Valley matchup between Fresno State and, and Bakersfield went 3-1. and one. The yeah. first two sets were two-point pushes. Yeah,
1: yeah, 27-25 Fresno State, and then 26-24 Bakersfield. Yeah,
2: before it opened up a little bit. Yeah, It was statistically, though, if we look at that matchup. Pretty I mean, close. Hitting wise it was pretty close, right? What, yeah, hitting
1: percentage for Fresno State was a three twenty five over a two fifty two, but kill wise Fresno State with fifty seven and Bakersfield with fifty four. Yeah, and I think uh Bakersfield outdug
2: Fresno State, right? Yeah. It, Fresno State outserved them. I saw ten. 10
1: yeah, aces ten aces, to, aces five. to five. And they they out outblocked them twelve to nine. Yeah. So yeah, total points seventy nine over sixty eight, so
2: Big battle for your six dollars and sixty one cents for yeah. that. I love the marketing. I know. I get excited for uh, cool things like that. We so have to do a five five nine, <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Bakersfield will be coming back up. This I didn't look at the schedule to see if they'll be heading to Fresno, but uh, both universities start off conference play this week. So mm-hmm. uh, Bakersfield's going to open up in the Big West action at home against uh, Cal State Fullerton in long beach state and then uh, fresno state's going to be at home also with the uh, mountain west they're going to be home on thursday against nevada and uh, saturday they're going to be home against san jose state so i know thursday is always tough matches everybody's playing high school and stuff but yeah hopefully uh they can get out and watch uh, cal state bakersfield and fresno state play, play this weekend on saturdays definitely yeah,
1: should be good and what a big week it was for high school matchups Oh, uh, tournament-wise, there was some uh,
2: good stuff going down, for sure. Mm-hmm. A couple of the uh, the conferences have started play, yeah. but everybody's going to be in action this week. But um, Vicelia Tournament, which is longstanding, similar to the Clovis Invitational, mm-hmm. uh, they had 19 teams uh, that showcased everybody kind of in, in our valley, and uh, Redwood toppled uh, Dinuba to take the championship there. So that's a... That's a good win for Redwood. They're they're one of the top teams, I would have to say, that we need to keep an eye on. For Definitely. Today. We had uh, three of our teams went over to Durango and Las Vegas mm-hmm. for one of the top marquee tournaments in the nation. Um, Liberty had the best showing. They finished 20th. There was uh, 64 teams in that tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cathedral Catholic from the San Diego area beat Marymount. So the top two teams were from California. And if you looked at the... The bracket, many of the top teams. I think um, uh, Mitty Archbishop Mitty was the top yeah. NorCal team, um, but then uh, Clovis West finished tied for 39th. ninth, and uh, Bakersfield Christian uh, tied for forty seventh out of sixty four. Mm-hmm. They probably saw just some tremendous competition. Yeah, nationally,
1: definitely so. some of the best teams Got in it. high school.
2: I think one of the cool things about being in a national tournament like that is you get to see you get to see how volleyball is played in California. Mm-hmm when you go to a place like that or you go to Hawaii, you get to see how the training um, and how teams are preparing differently mm-hmm. um, in different states. And so. different styles. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, you know, great. Yeah. Great opportunity for all those teams. Experience. It'll, it'll get them ready for conference for sure. Um, and then we had the John Riding Memorial Hard Driven Challenge. Yeah. That was at Clovis North. I had the opportunity to go out there yesterday to see some really good volleyball. Was, it was some good volleyball. Um, from the quarterfinals all the way to the finals. A uh, few teams from out of the area, and then many of our local teams. Mm-hmm. Um, semifinals got pretty intense. Campbell Hall and Clovis North went at it in a really tight three. Clovis North finished on top of that. And then San Luis and Clovis East went at it. Yeah. Another tight match. Um, I have to give a little shout-out. I know they're not from the area, but my, uh, <laughs> my alma mater was there. Dos Pueblos High School, the Chargers, Santa Barbara. Uh, they were there in the quarterfinals, and uh, I just got, had to give them a little love. You know? That's all right. I'm lifer. Uh, they have a lifer. They have a gal, uh, Chloe Hoffman, who uh, has signed. She's going to play beach at Stanford. Huge. And, and she looked pretty good. They had some good lefties, too. So. Awesome. I got to give them a little love. That's all right. <laughs> um, championship. Yeah, North, you were there. North versus East. Three sets. Uh, both teams just went all out. Mm-hmm. Like, bodies flying. Balls weren't dropping. Earning points. It was it was some impressive volleyball. Um, and I think just leading up to what the track's going to be next mm-hmm. week, it was it was it was some good stuff. And I think uh, close East uh, coach uh, coach King made a nice little strategic change with her blocking. It's not something that uh, was odd or new to them, but mm-hmm. they got, went with a little bit of a, of a taller block on their uh, right side um, to give. Uh, Clovis North a little different look mm-hmm.
1: and slow down their outside. Yeah,
2: it just gave it just the look helped I it's think health. in some ways. But um, in the third set, Clovis uh, East served uh, very very well, nice. and so they were able to kind of keep North out of system a mm-hmm. little bit. And uh, it was really just a matter of who was going to make the fewest errors. Yep. But it, it was a really fun game to watch and uh, be a part of. The event itself um, is great. Uh, they put a lot of hard work in, mm-hmm. Coach Herb and his staff, to make um, the tournament special for all the gals. And uh, the time when they, uh, know when we have the opportunity to sit and listen to uh, Alicia writing, talk about her husband, John, and why they're there mm-hmm. and uh, the special moments. And uh, if, if you didn't cry a little bit, then you're pretty strong-willed uh, during that little 30 minutes that they had during yeah. the tournament. They were able to give out two grants. That's awesome. Um, the two recipients for the um, the grants, uh, Clovis East Jordan Walser, and Emmanuel's uh, Hannah Barker. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool. A nice little um, opportunity for uh, the athletes to sit and hear about uh, John and, and who he was and his uh, how he was a servant to others. So. Yeah,
1: and we we're fortunate enough to have Ashlyn writing last week on the show, um, explaining the start of the hard driven challenge and kind of their idea and the pull of the community coming together and putting this event on so if you missed that definitely go back and listen yeah but sure. it's it's very awesome to hear the story and um in honor of john so well
2: i'll tell you after uh, watching yesterday i am excited to see what is going to transpire in the track yeah um but i know we wanted to talk about some of the other conferences coming up that uh, you know everybody's Rolling or getting ready to roll?
1: Yeah, we have the South Yosemite River League. Um, probably the heavy favorite there is Liberty, no yes. doubt, right now. But um, you never know what can happen. So this week we have Stockdale versus Centennial and then Stockdale versus Liberty. So definitely a big week for Stockdale um, yeah. and, you know, seeing where that goes.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the big picture, I would say Liberty is probably one of the, the top teams that we'll mm-hmm. see towards the end of the bracket yeah. um, for playoffs as is- as long as everybody's... Knock on wood. Staying yeah. healthy, right? Yep. Yeah. I think uh, Northwest so- uh, Sequoia League has been under... Uh, they've been rolling for a little bit, and that one, to me, is a pretty deep uh, competitive conference of mm-hmm. smaller schools. Mm-hmm. When you look at the teams in it, Yosemite, Sierra, Gruthers, uh, Liberty, Fowler, Kerman, yeah. they've all been successful in their divisions. Um, and I know that uh, Yosemite... And Sierra and probably Carruthers right mm-hmm. now. It's early in the conference, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that conference uh, plays out because I think that's a pretty competitive, yeah. smaller school uh, division for sure. Mm-hmm. You know where they all fall.
1: Yeah, and then we have the East Yosemite League and um, Redwood and Porterville is, you know, probably one of the or two of the higher teams in, in that league, and, and they actually face off this week in a huge matchup. Um, this week together, so that'll yeah. be interesting to see who pulls that out. Yeah, uh, probably a battle.
2: Yeah, Porterville was at the hard-driven tournament this weekend. Redwood won mm-hmm. that. I think Menachi's right up there too with yeah. them. So um, it'll be exciting to see how uh, that conference pulls mm-hmm. out for sure. N Y L um, uh, Hoover had a big matchup with uh, Madeira South, but yep. I think uh, Hoover's got a little bit of edge on some of those teams. They might be the ones that uh, to look for in Madeira South, kind of at the top of that N Y L. Um, the West Yosemite League, Dinuba just came off as second place at that Visalia tournament. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably be the team to catch in that conference.
1: Yeah. And then we have the Tri-County uh, um, with Exeter and CBC as probably being the two top ones in that one as well. Um, but CBC and plays against um, Sierra Pacific this Monday, um, and Sierra Pacific did fairly well in last week's tournament. Yep. Abadair South, um, and then we have Exeter versus Kingsburg on Wednesday. So I think in general most of those teams are highly competitive. So, but right now the favorite I would say is Exeter um, and CBC. So
2: yeah, they always end up playing each other the last together in the last mm-hmm. round of the conference. So we'll see yeah. how it pans out after the first rounds. So, and then you got the C Mac. Mm-hmm. I would see Sanger right up there with Memorial and Bullard trying to push him a little bit. Yeah. But I'd say they're the team to go get mm-hmm. in the CMAC. Um They're a pretty balanced um, yeah. balanced team. And, and uh, they had a good showing at the hard-driven tournament this weekend. But the conference, that is unknown. Very unknown. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, this is what I know. I know that all the teams have great pin hitters. Mm-hmm. Left sides, right sides. The setting this year, quality setting. Yeah across the conference. It might mm-hmm. be the best quality setting across the conference that we've seen in many, many years yeah. at all the schools. Those setters are going to be able to run the show. Yeah. Um, and I would say the unknown will be, like, because the teams are so balanced with their pin hitting, it's like, how will the middles produce? Yeah. I think that's going to be uh, the, the hidden secret, yeah. the, the secret sauce.
1: Yeah, I think that and ball control because – To get those middles going, we need some um, good serve-receive passing and who's going to be served off the court or who's going to stand their grounds and pass the ball. So I think that's definitely going to be a huge um, key to whoever comes out on top success. Yeah,
2: I think because the pin hitting is is strong across Mm -hmm. the board is that in practice scenarios, they have to be used to defending against already good pin hitting. exactly. With the block and uh with the first touch off the dig Mm -hmm. and so that's where i think like where the middle Mm -hmm. is going to be really uh resourceful in terms of who can kind of
1: balance it out if you're not used to defending a middle attack um and you go into play with it it can be a little interesting yeah
2: depending i mean you know if they're running the three the gap and then the slides if they're running them around so i think uh we'll see uh, you know there's going to be some good matchups this week we get, we get to head out and watch a few, mm-hmm. but we got uh, Central's going to be at Clovis and West at North and East at Buchanan on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are going to be some big matchups. And then Thursday, Clovis is at Buchanan, West is at Central, and then a little rematch from the championship from this last weekend, North will be at East yeah, um, for the conference play. So preseason, Clovis East has a really good preseason. Yeah, they uh, have. They've done well. They had nice showing at the, the slow
1: tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this last week at Hard Driven, so hopefully they can keep it steady. I mean, we said a few weeks ago, I think the entire league is going to be highly competitive yeah. all year long. So who can stay the healthiest, who yeah. can continue to get better every single match and every single practice. Stamina and long matches. Yep. Yeah.
2: So, like at the hard driven this last week in the semifinal matches, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, both teams had some pretty competitive mm-hmm. um, quarters and semifinal matches, and then you know that championship match. Both teams, I mean, it, they were they there were probably some kids with some some uh, tired legs, mm-hmm. and uh, but they went at it for sure. So yeah, fun to see. this next Exciting week. week. Yeah, I'll look forward as to always. The, I'll look
1: forward to doing the recap after yeah. this week. Definitely. Sure. Yeah. Well. I think that concludes this week's recap and and future matches to look forward to. Um, So now we will lead you into our special guest.
2: We're excited to have uh, this week our guest, Coach uh, Carl Ferreira from Bakersfield College. Um, Carl uh, is from Hawaii. He grew up there. He has coaching stints from Fresno State, Stanford, Cal State, Bakersfield, Idaho, University of Oregon, where he was the head coach, and uh, and he is now the head guru at Bakersfield College, and we're really happy to have you, Carl. Thanks for being here. Hey,
0: thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on.
2: Yeah, well, you and I go back quite a ways. You know, we spend some time together. Um, when you and, and your wife Ellen were in Fresno and she was the head coach at Clovis and you were coaching uh, as an assistant at Fresno State. And I was, I was reflecting back on uh, some times that we just spent together just talking volleyball. Um, I think we have to give Ellen a plug because she, she was an okay player, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no doubt she was uh, pretty darn good and one of my major influences.
2: Yeah, she played at Cal Poly. She was an All-American middle blocker there, played uh, in the professional league, um, did a lot of coaching, and now she just gets to, to uh, support you and, and, and your kids and their endeavors, right? Watch from afar.
0: She's, uh, she's an elementary school physical education teacher, so she's uh, still impacting kids.
2: Absolutely. Awesome. That's good. I enjoyed our time together. I, I don't even remember – remember we, uh, we used to sit – this is what I like. I, I consider myself a lifelong learner, and I think you are too, is uh, we used to just sit in your living room and talk about different ways to train things and, and like, crossing sports over. And I remember we you were discussing about the bullpen for pitching. Do you remember that, the bullpen? <laughs> Absolutely. i yeah. got a great memory. I, coach, I try. I try. Um, but uh, you remember... We share that concept with some uh, of our listeners what we were talking about in the in the in the crossover of the sport with baseball
0: yeah you know um i'd probably consider myself a multi-sport athlete you know having grown up in hawaii uh i had a lot of influences um you know with basketball and uh, baseball and and really when i'm looking at a lot of the different things that we do in volleyball, uh, you know, a lot of the concepts for me was, was easier to understand through the other sports initially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I remember creating this little bullpen uh, where we were just charting the tax selection and just trying to get kids to, you know, understand, you know, where they need to be, you know, hitting and why, and, and, and so really the bullpen was just a way to chart. their uh you know their attack selection but yeah that's uh that's always been a part of what i enjoy doing and i still do that just trying to Mm -hmm. think about different ways to explain things
2: yeah i remember that was one of our things was we were, you know going back and forth on our days you know what what are something that would be a hook for a kid to understand about serving and their hand placement and all that and talked about like the serving tray and yeah i remember all those those years of coming up with some creative thoughts um, with the sport, but that's what we do, right? We just, all us, uh, coaches like talking volleyball and figuring new things no out. No doubt. Yeah. Um,
0: I think that's the way we all learn, just sitting mm-hmm. around the campfire, so to speak.
2: Yeah. So what was your, uh, early hook with volleyball? You talked about doing some other sports, but what, what kind of got you hooked on?
0: Well, you know, I've come full circle. Um, I came to California, uh, from Hawaii just to play basketball at Santa Rosa Junior College. And while at Santa Rosa Junior College, I took a physical education volleyball class. And it was being taught by the women's volleyball coach, uh, Joanne McFay. Um, and, you know, and she said, hey, you've played volleyball. And I said, yes. And, uh, you know, and I was really in a transition from, you know, small-town boy from Hawaii trying to, you know, play college basketball and then uh, now I'm in the gym playing volleyball and and, uh, and really having fun and excelling. And, and really, I owe it to Joanne for kind of getting me on board because she ended up asking me to uh, be her assistant. And, and then I ended up starting a youth club up there in Santa Rosa as well. So, you know, the early years, you're just young. You're enjoying it. It's fun. Um, and, you know, and this is really the early early to mid 80s so uh, you know that's kind of how it just started for me and, and a lot of grass doubles volleyball in the early years
2: grass volleyball was yeah. huge and we're still trying to keep it alive here for sure um many many stories of of the grass volleyball community now i know the name of the club that you started but it's been a long long standing club you uh want to share the name of your your club that you started
0: yeah, it's you know Empire Volleyball yeah. Club mm-hmm. for our, uh, up in Northern California there, um, and uh, Bear Grasso, head coach at uh, Sonoma State, still runs it. Yeah, and and as a matter of fact, Bear's wife, Leslie, was on our very first team that we uh, that we ever had going up there.
2: Nice. Yeah, it's great to see that it's still going, and and I remember uh, when you got that going with the, uh, who who was it? He's coaching. Is he at oh, Chris, right? Yes, no. Chris Lamb Chris from Lamb. Wichita State. Yep. He's uh, he's also
0: from Santa Rosa, and he he and I started that whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it goes way back, and there's some really good coaches. Uh, Mike Jordan, the head coach at New Mexico State,
2: yeah,
0: was one of the first ones on there. Um, and, of course, Bears done a phenomenal job. So those were good times and very innocent uh early stages of you know club volleyball
2: yeah well you've come full circle kind of like me you you are a community college product and now you're back at community college what uh what are like the differences you've been a head coach at division one um you've been an assistant coach and now you're embraced in the california community college Um, one of our elite coaches what, what's really drawn you to community college?
0: Well, um, you know, it, I have come full circle, and I really enjoy telling that story to, you know, whoever listens, um, because it's been fun. Um, you know, I, I didn't know, you know where, where this journey was going to take me. You know, if, if you asked me when I was at Santa Rosa Junior College, what do you see yourself doing 30, you know, plus years from now? Yeah. I never would have dreamed that, Uh, you know, the sport of volleyball would have taken me on that particular path. So it's been fun. And I I will say what you learn from doing everything is we all do the same thing at every single level, Um, you know, whether it's Santa Rosa Junior College, whether it's University of Oregon or now at Bakersfield College, you know, it's just volleyball. Uh, I think the things that end up changing is – the caliber of the athlete, and and maybe some of the peripheral material things that you have, you know, inside your program. You know, at uh, at the Pac-12 level, of course, you got a lot of resources. But when it comes to the game, it, it's just the game. And when I was at the University of Idaho, we had a wide receiver coach, and he was a former nfl wide receiver with the seahawks for 12 plus years and and he told me you know he goes carl everything that we did in the nfl every issue is the same issue we have here and and i think you only understand that if you get to see the multiple levels mm-hmm. so it, it's this it's the same sport it's the same issues you still have Work ethic issues, you still have system issues, you still have chemistry issues, you know, it's all the same.
1: Yeah. Well, with that, Carl, can you share with us some of your joys of coaching?
0: Well, I'd have to say, you know, I think the reason we do what we do is to just invest in people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, I think it's an honor and a privilege to participate in the growth and development of someone else's life. So, you know, they're investing in the game. You're investing in them. Um, and that's, there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction within that. Um, I think the thing that I truly enjoy about volleyball is the, is the intimate chemistry that happens on the confinement of the court. You know, you, yep. you take basketball, for example, and it's, you know, kind of free flowing up and down the court. You know, baseball, you, if you're a catcher, you really don't talk to your outfield until you're in the dugout. But in volleyball, my goodness, the, the chemistry is so fantastic. So I think that it, it really magnifies the, the relationships. And that's really one of the fun things about putting it all together from a coaching perspective.
2: Yeah, because each, each year it's a new crew, and seeing how those dynamics are going to come together is, I think, a joy of, of you know, that we get to see when it actually happens, right? Light bulb comes you know, on. It's like, oh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I, you and I have sat down, I think, at a state championship or two over breakfast and uh, talked about you've spent some time um, with your daughter, who's the setter at the University of Oregon, where she – got to travel and do some training um, across the nation. And you've seen some different uh, training in our regions. Um, can you discuss a little bit about your thoughts on what you've kind of observed with our sport of volleyball, like national training with youths?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think the sport of volleyball, uh, when we got going in this whole thing, it was extremely West Coast dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, all the top programs, the top coaches were all on the West Coast. But throughout the, uh, throughout my coaching career, you know, we, we've seen a huge change. And when you're coaching at the Division One level, you do tend to, I think, keep up with what's happening on a national level because you're recruiting kids from throughout the country. Yeah. So I, I think in the beginning you know, you're pretty much just a West Coast dominant recruiter, you know, because the sport is dominant here. But then I've also seen it, you know, radically change. So as I'm coaching my daughter, and I had the opportunity to, you know, coach her from 12 and unders on up, and you started to see the evolution change. And that evolution, I think, started really when the ncaa made regional playoffs you know um i I think that initially got the the programs that were funding volleyball you know to take off the nebraska's the texas the university of illinois with mike hebert and uh, penn state and and so you got those programs to get to the final four and and then Early on, the Final Four matchup was kind of a blowout. You know, you got the West versus the uh, Midwest and East. But then you saw those programs really start to, uh, you know, improve. Well, with all that improvement and with all the hunger to try to be better than the West Coast, I I think you started to see a change, you know, in high school Mm -hmm. and, and then in club. And so, Finally, when I'm getting my daughter involved, I'm noticing that there's no longer uh, top recruits for setters coming from the state of California. And, you know, and I'm noticing that there's a different style of setting. So what I did was, you know, I took my daughter. I I looked where, you know, where are all the top all-American setters in the country coming from? So we went to the Midwest for, uh, I believe she was in seventh and eighth grade and, you know, took her to setter training. And it was a completely different style. I felt like I was purely a West Coast style. And now there was this Midwest style, but all the, you know, all the all American and the top setters in the country were all coming from the Midwest. And I really didn't understand that style so uh, you know my daughter's at this clinic and i'm learning as much as she's learning i mean i sat there and i'm taking notes and i'm observing and it was very impressive so you know i came back and i'm i'm changing how my daughter style and my daughter's going dad i don't understand why are we changing you know i'm doing fine you know, and of course, she at the time, she doesn't understand the big picture. And the big picture is eventually, if you're going to be a recruitable student-athlete, the sport of the the position of setter has a little bit more to do with, uh, you know, just the style than the physicality of an attacker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I knew that she had to change her style in order for, you know, her to even begin to get looked at. Mm-hmm. So, it was challenging because you know, California or Bakersfield, we didn't have a, uh, a club team that's a national caliber club team. So we, my goodness, when I'm at Cal State Bakersfield in the early '90s, Kern River Volleyball Club, every single age group was in the top ten in the country.
2: Yeah, I remember Kern River.
0: Yeah, and so you go 20 years later. And we don't have any team that can play in the open division. So now my daughter's not really playing in the open division. So, you know, th- there was a little bit of a, a way that we had to get, you know, some of the coaches to come see, you know, her play in the different divisions. And um, So coincidentally, the head coach at the University of Oregon, he's from Chicago. And it, it just, you know, recognized the style. Uh, and, and she does some other things extremely well, but I think that's that's changed. I think you went from the you know the John Dunning, Don Shaw, Brian Jimolero, where maybe they were you know all these top coaches in the country, and now uh, you know now the Midwest has all the top coaches, top players, and then I think the Pac-12 has been replaced by the Big Ten in terms of the top volleyball mm-hmm. conference. So. The athletes are no longer coming West Coast and and so it, it's evolved and it's changed. And and when you look at it, it's they were hungrier. I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I think maybe we got a little complacent on the West Coast. Uh, and they were hungrier to want to beat us. And they and they worked harder. And if we were training, you know, two, three days a week in club, they were training six. Right. And they not only caught us up, they, they caught us up and then they passed us. So if you look at the All-American list and you look at the Olympic list, you know, from like when my wife was in it till now, I mean, it's it's no longer a West Coast sport. It's a national sport. And, and I think we're better because of it.
2: Right. That's what I was going to say that it is. Um, yeah. I mean, but it also
0: some growing pains along the way for the West
2: Coast. Mm mm-hmm. But it also, you know, kind of helps, you know, tell the story of coaches being able to maybe get out of the state of California to attend the national conference or go do observations out of state and be open to looking at different trainings that that we might not normally see in our state. I think people are uh, good at going to continuing education. Um, And now there's so many options for continuing education when we look, you know, Back in our day, you know, there weren't as many options for that, but to really explore and maybe uh, seek out the East Coast and the Midwest um, for yeah, and, learning tools.
0: And I think, um, you know, I think with all the early, you know, early dominance in the West, we used to have all the, the West Coast coaches were so awesome at giving back to the communities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, And they still do. But Mm -hmm. I think what happened was, and this is just my opinion, um, is we kind of got stagnant doing the same thing for maybe 20-plus years. And I'll give you an example. Uh, So when I'm at Cal State Bakersfield, you know, and Kern River is rolling, I mean, we we used to have every California-dominant coach in our gym. And they come in and they do all these clinics. And you know, when we were at the Clovis, I remember we brought in Lori Corbelli. She was uh, played professionally with Ellen, and she was the head coach at Santa Clara. And and so I think the coaches did a great job of giving back to the communities. And then, but I, I think what happened on the on the Midwest is they just. I think they were so tired of getting beat up by the west coast is they kept pushing the the level and i think they were first to adopt some of the some of the international styles of training yep. you know mm-hmm. the, the the usa's and um and we kept kind of doing the same thing and so when i'm at oregon And when I'm looking around and and when I'm traveling, you know, you you could just sense there was something different going on. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's now I think there's a lot of ways. But I, Kieran, I do agree. I I think it'd be really good for, you know, for people to kind of see a different style of language or a different style of training methods. Um, And and I think that's what's grown the sport.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And as we're talking about the evolution of volleyball and you coaching for over three decades, is there like, what do you think were the game changers for the, you know, for the sport of volleyball, whether that was a rule or a skill, um, that really has changed kind of how it used to be?
0: Yeah, I think probably four things that had come to mind for me. Number one, it's the scoring system, you know, um, when I was uh, at the University of Oregon, I remember multiple springs where we were uh, just gathering data for what scoring system was going to work and why. And the initial reason for doing that was just television. You know, they wanted to fit the sport of volleyball in a two-hour time block. And, and I was in the meetings and the TV you know, they basically told us your, your sport is not going to be marketable until you can guarantee us it's going to be in two hours or less. So I don't know if you remember, we first started out with rally score to 30.
2: Yeah, I do.
0: Before, <laughs> Yeah, before we settled in on the 25. So I think the scoring system, you know, and that affected how we trained. Uh, I think the serving zone, you know, I, I don't know if the young kids even remember this, but we used to only have a, a little square on the right-hand corner where we'd serve from. So I think, you know, changing the serving zone, I think the libero has had a massive impact mm-hmm. on the game. And I, I think now it's the challenge rule, the video challenge. I think it's not in the high school or junior college level yet, but you're seeing uh, a great influence, you know, at the Division One level for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. I had brought up about the service zone uh, we're on with uh, Marion Battles because I think – you know, with the whole, when before you just need to worry about the ball coming from that cer- certain angle, right? And right. receiving balls. And then when it's the line opened up, I mean, serving line to line and cross court and just the training of serve receive um, had to get tremendously better.
0: Yeah, and sure. maybe maybe the let serve, maybe that's another one that we'd throw in there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's the one that kills us all, right?
1: I had no idea there was one serving zone, to be honest. <laughs>
2: This is why I have Kelsey, Carl. See that? So that we have yes, we, there you we go. have the young, young, <laughs> young freshman I was shocked, and then we got the old lady over it's here okay. with stuff. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're looking forward to kind of chatting with you about your uh, mental training program that you have, the untrained mind. But before we do that, do you have a like, gosh, maybe like a good teachable moment or a, a great story? Um, of a lasting impression that you've had coaching or something for maybe our young listeners or maybe for some of our coaches, Um, you know, just to, just to learn a little bit, maybe something funny. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I think the
0: thing I would say, first of all, is I feel very, very fortunate to have been in some of the athletic departments that I've been in because uh, i I think a lot of my colleagues were a tremendous impact and influence on you know on what I did and, and i I was just again very lucky and so you're you're looking around I'm an assistant at Stanford and Bill Walsh is the head football coach at Stanford after he wins all his Super Bowls with the 49ers so h- here I am like a uh kid in a candy store. I can't wait to walk past the football offices just to see if I can go catch a glimpse of, you know, Bill Walsh. And I know it's a football name, but um, you know, it's just, it was very surprising to me. And then while, while at Stanford, we've got John Elway being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so you're catching a glimpse of that. So I'm, I'm coaching volleyball, yet I'm uh, just being influenced by you know, sport. Yeah. And so I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, at, at the University of Oregon, you've got, you know, first round NBA draft picks. You've got Heisman, Trophy, Runner-Up, and Joey Harrington. So you're just seeing, you know, a lot of definitions of what commitment is and what sacrifice is and what work ethic is. And and th- those things have been redefined for me as I go from department to department Mm because we all have an opinion about what we do and it's usually based from our own experiences but to have you know to have the insights to see multiple ways of different ways of doing things I think that's a real eye-opener but I think the two things that really impacted me that I'd like to share was First of all, I got professionally coached. And if I had any advice for any young coach, it's don't hesitate to get coached. Yep. You know, and what what does that mean? I think we as coaches stand in front of our players a lot and they're relying on us to be the leaders, but who's coaching the coach? Mm -hmm. And I remember having a conversation with the uh, head basketball coach uh, at the University of Oregon. His name is Ernie Kent and he says, Carl, This guy revolutionized my career, and I would have been out of the profession if it wasn't for him. So I had the fortunate opportunity to be coached by uh, a former NBA coach, and uh, it, it was a game changer because the first thing he told me was, you know, you have the worst view of you, and you don't know what you don't know. And his name was Roland Todd. Roland Todd was the first coach for the Portland Trailblazers, but he also coached at the community college level. So he knew my father-in-law. My father-in-law you know, was the basketball coach at Cabrillo years ago. So that was impactful. Second thing that happened for me was I worked with a cognitive psychologist. Her name was Dr. Ann Spizer. Um, and she, that's where I first got introduced to the mental side of the game. She had her PhD in neurology, which was everything about the mind. And that absolutely blew my mind. I used to be purely what I would call a content coach where, you know, it's just coaching volleyball and maybe a little bit of a do instructor, you know, just do this, do that, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't understand the mind. And so she really opened me up to a different side of the sport that I had no idea. And she was the next gymnast and the next gymnastics judge. And that was mind blowing to me. So I think there's a lot to learn. I think there's a lot that uh, we can always gain from other people. And I think earlier you used the uh, lifelong learner word and and that's what I would consider myself. So I'm always exploring, always looking forward to find ways to chat with people about the sport. Mm So.
2: Yeah, that's. I'm sure you do it at uh, Bakersfield College. I think one of the things that I like in, in my profession is like go and chat with our other coaches, our guru, you know, uh, wrestling coach. He's the Bill Russell over here of wrestling in community college. You know, just going to sit in the office and and talking sport and seeing what works for them and why they're successful, or talking to our soccer coaches. I'm sure you do the same, right? Knock on the football yeah. coaches' office door. <laughs> Just to oh, talk. absolutely! Yeah,
0: absolutely. I, it, for me, it started at uh, you know when I was at Fresno State. I the pitching, the head baseball coach at the time, um, I can't recall his name at the present time, but he taught me more about arm swing mechanics than any volleyball coach. And he was he broke down the whole mechanics of the rotation, the elbow, the and I was the hips, and I was like, wow, I've never had this explained to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I'm at Idaho and we've got uh, uh, the head track and field coach was, um, I don't know, gosh, I, we had a decathlete, a U.S. decathlete at the time. And so he was the U.S. decathlete's personal coach. So, you know, you're just you know, jumping information and you're, you're like, wow, no, nobody ever told me that much about jumping. So I think, I think the track coaches have been brilliant you know at the jumping side of it and there's so much ways to manage you know your rosters that you can learn from other people so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, i love chatting
1: yeah (laughs) and thank you everyone for listening to central valley volley talk this week episode five part one with coach carl ferreira Tune in next week for part two where we hear from Coach on his work and findings on the mental side of the game. Good luck everyone this week and hear from you soon.